1: And I believe that that's
0: really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. And today we're chatting with Pastor Tim O'Neill, who's the president of A2A, the Acts 2 Alliance around Australia. He's also the pastor of the Tail Race Centre in Launceston in Tasmania. It's great to have him on the line. How are you, Pastor Tim? Fantastic thanks, Matt. And it's great to be here talking to you and Rochelle. Now, mate, I'd just love to uh, unpack a bit of your story today. Tell us a little, a little bit about where you were born and raised.
1: Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Launceston, in Tasmania, and I'm, I'm still a resident of Longfus in Tasmania.
0: And what was family life like for you as a young fella?
1: Yeah, no, it was pretty good. I, I went to uh, the local Catholic school and uh, enjoyed my experience there, and my parents had some businesses, and so basically I, I grew up in a family that was a, uh, a pretty good family, and it was a pretty good family environment for me.
2: So for you, Tim, was there a particular point in time where you made a decision to follow Christ for yourself?
1: Yeah, it was. It was when I was about 26, and uh, I'd always had the idea that one day I'd get serious about, about my faith and um, uh, live my, my life more in line with what God wanted for me. Not that I ever thought that I was a bad person, but uh, uh, when I was probably about 18 or 19, I thought, well, I'll, I'll do that when I'm a bit older. And then meaning probably about 22 or 23. And then when I was about 22 or 23, I I thought, I'll do it when I'm really old, probably meaning about 25 or 26. But I got to a point in time at about 26 when I just felt God really, really saying, Tim, I want you to live your life my way now. And it was like a real struggle went on. And I said, no, 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 not yet. Not, Not quite yet. Uh, It's still not the right time, but I just felt uh, it was like this invisible, inaudible conversation was going on. Tim, I want you to live your life my way now. And in the end, to be honest, I just felt worn out by it and I felt wearied by it. And I said, okay, have it your way. And what I didn't realise then was that I'd actually at that time submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. But what I did realise was that from that moment on, for the next day or so, I felt like I was walking about uh, 10 feet off the ground, uh, something had just radically and dramatically changed. And uh, at the time, I didn't fully understand what it was. But with the benefit of hindsight, I came to see exactly what had happened.
0: And was there a massive change in your life? Did everyone notice the difference? No, I don't think so, because uh, I'd...
1: You know, I guess, I guess I, the way I'd look at it is that uh, if you're heading on a so- certain course, it only takes a couple of degrees difference to actually... Uh, result in a, a far, far different place. For example, if you're uh, flying from Brisbane to, uh, to Melbourne and the pilot uh, just veered off to the side by three degrees, you'd end up an awful long way away from Melbourne. And I think that's what happened with myself. There was a, a slight veering in direction uh, which started almost immediately. And uh, as time went by, that did result in a very, very significant, significant directional change in my life.
2: Sometimes it really is that gradual process, isn't it? Once we come to know the Lord, He starts to work in us and, and uh, things change. And, and over time, I guess you get to look back and you can see how, how God has been working. So tell us, uh, Tim, now about uh, your transition into ministry. You're the vice president now of the Acts to Alliance group. How did you get involved in ministry?
1: Well, it was not intentional. Let me put it this way. Uh, my intention was always to be uh, to be wealthy, to be a millionaire by the time I was 30 uh, was certainly something that I had certain sights on and I became a chartered accountant and uh, the business world actually treated me very, very well. But then uh, there was a uh, a tragic year that my wife and I had and that was when I was about 33 and during that year we had seven people who we knew who suicided and uh, that just left us wondering. We were so sick of death that I, and for myself, by that stage, I was a new Christian. I came to faith when I was about 26. And I I just wanted those people to have what I had discovered and found. And I came to realize that uh, the gospel of Jesus is such a precious, precious thing that I wanted everyone to come and understand it. And so at that time, we're also pretty restless. And so uh, my wife and I went and met up with a uh, a man who was in our town who Uh, had a a fantastic reputation and he was superintendent of the Baptist churches at that time. His name was Norman Pell and Norman became in in many ways uh, the first true spiritual father that I ever had. Norman looked at our gifts and looked at our our heart and our our passion and asked if we'd ever considered church planting. Well, we hadn't, but it didn't take long for the idea to really uh, grip hold of us. And so about a year later, we ended up planting a church.
0: And tell us about the uh, DNA of your church because um, I've heard lots of great things. I've never visited, but I've heard lots of great things about your church over the years. It's, it's a different kind of a flavour, churches, to many. Tell us about the DNA of your church.
1: Yeah, okay. It's probably hard for me to, to describe that in many ways because it's, it's something that I'm so absorbed in. But I guess what we want to be is authentic community uh, is one thing. And another aspect is that uh, we want to see people uh, made to be authentic disciples, not just church attenders, We really aren't into attracting a crowd because we think that that tends to uh, breed consumer Christianity. But you know, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of people. He said, follow me, but uh, there'll be a, a cost involved in all of this. And so uh, we see that our role is to facilitate that journey where people will come to follow Jesus in a way which is radical, which, in a way which is life-changing, in a way in which reaches out to other people. So in this community, which is a very, very accepting community, uh, we encourage authentic disciple-making. And I guess the other hallmark that we've become known for is uh, the hospitality uh, that we extend. And I guess as we extend extend hospitality through a range of ways, it's really just extending the welcome and the the love of Jesus to people, uh, whether they be in his kingdom or, or not.
0: And I know that uh, you've got an incredible facility there where you have lots of unchurched people uh, getting involved during the weekdays uh, and over the weekends. Tell us what, what's available at uh, the Tail Centre.
1: Okay, well, we believe that God gave us a vision for a facility which would truly serve the vision of the church. And it wasn't a facility just to be used on a Sunday and then be uh, almost dormant the rest of a week. But a bit like the human body breathes in and out uh, air uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We we believe that this facility needed to be breathing in and out people uh, during that time. And so we built a, a community facility uh, for the broader community rather than for, for the church. But it was a facility that was specifically designed for doing ministry through. So in our facility, we, we run it as a, a fully-fledged conference and convention centre. And virtually every day of the week, we have training events or other uh, events in there from whether it be from government or uh, business sectors. Uh, we also have a children in, children's indoor playground and especially when it's raining during winter that gets uh, a pretty good work over and we have a cafe restaurant as well.
0: And I know that your wife is very much involved in the ministry as well. Uh, Just backtracking a bit, so I understand she is a former missionary kid. Uh, Tell us a bit about how she got involved in all this ministry that, you know, you guys really are one flesh. You believe both of you are called to ministry, don't you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we certainly do. And uh, I think it's what God puts together, let no man separate. But unfortunately, ministry often does that. But for us, it's been a joint journey. We've had different roles uh, as we've gone along, but uh, we really have, have had a joint journey. And so uh, she is joint lead pastor as, as well as myself. Uh, her background is actually in social work and counselling, uh, but then she's really been thrown in the deep end and ended up as being operations manager at our facility, which is a, you know, quite a, a substantial role in itself. So she mixes a pastoral with the organisational side of things.
0: And I know that you do a lot of work in India uh, with Empart as well, planning churches. Correct. Tell us a bit about your involvement over there.
1: Okay. Well, this has been a, an incredible privilege to be involved with MPAT and the work that uh, Jossie Chaco started about 18 years ago. Over that period of time, uh, he's built a team uh, which has seen approximately 20,000 churches established uh, amongst uh, non-churched areas. The north of India uh, is, uh, I think from memory, about 600 million people, but it's only 0.14% born again. And so for many years it's been known as a missionary's graveyard, but God's grace has been incredibly upon this work and seeing uh, just incredible, incredible things happen with the churches being planted, children's homes, a whole range of of areas where ultimately we'll have to see not just lives but whole villages and communities transformed. Now, I've been involved in that uh, since 2002. i uh, been involved in the leadership of IMPART. Uh, first of all, uh, on the board of MPART. Uh, then for a season in time, I was board chairman and now involved in an eldership uh, for IMPART. Uh, over that time, I've been to India many times, but also been heavily involved in the strategic planning and uh, I guess just uh, the provision of advice and hopefully wisdom uh, to uh, people such as Jossie.
2: Well, Tim, it sounds like, you know, you've been involved in some wonderful ministries and had some amazing opportunities uh, to see growth and uh, just to see the gospel continue to be spread. Tell us a bit about uh, A2A. What's your heart as vice president uh, for A2A?
1: Okay. Um, well, first of all, it's president now, so that's just recently changed. Well, congratulations. Uh,
2: congratulations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, my heart is really to see a, a movement of churches which is going to uh, make authentic disciples that reach people uh, with the gospel for Jesus in this country and beyond. Uh, it's, it's about a movement that's going to be often, uh, very, very authentic in the sense of uh, our, our vision for what we can be to the local community. We go back to the, to the church in Acts 2 as our starting point and we look where it talked about a church where it was filled with people who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of prayer. And it went on to describe a church which is, I believe, God's blueprint of church. Really, is the only snapshot of church as such in the whole of Scripture. Uh, There are other aspects of church that we read about, of course, throughout Scripture, but this is like the only complete picture that we actually see of church life. Now, this was a church that ended up uh, with explosive growth happening. We, we see at the end of Acts 2, it talks about uh, many more being saved their, and added to their number every day. And I guess that's our, our hope for the church here in Australia, where we want to see churches across this nation uh, seeing people saved and added to their number every day. But in that verse, Acts 2:47, before uh, that last bit, it actually talks about they enjoyed the favour of the community. And for that to be the case, we've got to be churches which are uh, carrying the love of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the truth of Christ uh, into the community and engaging women with them in a relevant and healthy way. And again, that's the kind of churches that we want to be. We want to be the kind of church such that uh, if we cease to exist, that the community would uh, not only notice, but don't grieve uh, the fact that we weren't there. Uh, Our hope, I guess, at the moment and our focus is to... To try and find uh, the leaders of tomorrow or perhaps even the leaders today of today who haven't yet been act- activated, uh, help identify, stimulate them, uh, raise them up as leaders and see them uh, take the opportunity uh, for leading uh, in a way which will impact uh, the world through seeing the kingdom of God being extended.
0: And Tim, I know you've got a special push-on among all the A2A churches this month to get people to read the Bible and study the Bible and do journaling, daily devotions every day with the uh, SOAP acrostic, Scripture, Observation, Application and Prayer. Uh, Tell us about your heart behind why believers should be in God's Word every day.
1: Okay, because quite frankly, if we're not in God's Word every day, I don't know how we can actually uh, walk as believers the way Christ actually asks us to. Now, there are a couple of studies that have taken place, one of 250,000 people in North America and the other of 70,000 uh, people, and both of those independent studies came up very strongly with the fact that the single most important thing in determining a person's uh, spiritual uh, health is the degree to which they're in Scripture on a regular basis and looking to apply it to their lives. One of the findings was absolutely astounding, and it said that for uh, people who are in, in Scripture on such a basis that uh, less of three days a week or less, their lives, lifestyles and their attitudes are not significantly different than that of a non-believer. Uh, but if you're in Scripture on such a way four days a week or more, and I guess four days a week being more, average, uh, more often than not, uh, then the change in the spiritual health and life of that person will be uh, seen and significant. So for us, if we want to see healthy disciples being made, We need people uh, discerning, uh, (laughs) searching scripture and discerning how God's word is to impact their lives today.
0: Well, Tim, I think it's inspiring that you're uh, getting people to get back into God's Word, and I think it's going to impact the nation. Uh, anyone that heard that will hopefully be picking up their Bible and getting into it every day. And if people want to find out more about A2A, they can go to the website, a2a.org.au. and uh, there's all plenty the Facebook of, page. all the Facebook as well. That's right. You've got a great Facebook page and all sorts of great information on social media. Well, Tim, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Okay. Thanks very much, Matt and Rochelle. Goodbye. Thanks,
0: Tim.